another episode of the Improv Teachers. So glad to have you here today. I am your host, Laura Morris, and this week we talked to Laura Manasiewicz. Laura is from CT Comedy. Uh, there are parts of this interview that the sound quality, we try, I try to wash it and try to capture it, so sometimes it's really clear and sometimes it's not. I apologize. If you can get through the first 10 to 12 minutes, it's pretty clear from there on out. Uh, as always, I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I did. And thank you so much for listening to the Improv Teachers. All right. So what what inspired you or how did you become a coach? And, well, actually, a teacher. Um, I, I feel like when I joined CT, we weren't teaching classes yet. So they uh, CT started as seven people in 2009. And I pretty much fangirled them hard from the time they started uh, so that I could like get to know them and, and get, to get on the team. And so I joined in September of 2010 and um, eventually like the teaching, the, the class program started up slowly as they all do. And uh, for us, it, it just like knew it was something I wanted. Like I, I was, I loved it so much and I wanted to be able to, show someone else that they could do this thing and um for us you had to go through another school like another program's uh school basically before you could be considered eligible to be so um i went through used to be and when we finished 401, I was like, I can do it now. Like, that was almost as exciting as having gone through, <laughs> through, through UCB. Uh, and so then, uh, yeah, I, I think that was that was pretty much it. It was like, I want to be able to bring this cool thing to someone else, but I got to do the work so that it makes sense for me to be here. When you were finally able to teach over at CT, um, was our curriculum already in place then, or were you part of that? Um, yeah, so we have one of our members, one of the owners is also the education director. So um, she kind of uh, put most of them together with input from like the other owners and founders and stuff. But it was like um, most of like the basic type classes, the curriculum was done. And, even, and it's still there. Like we've revised and edited as we've grown and learned. Um, but like, unless you are pitching your own class uh, or workshop or whatever, the curriculum basics are there. Um, but if you're like starting something from scratch, then then it's on you to, to build that. Do you remember the? Um, so did you have? So okay. So once you're eligible, did you have to? Do you guys still? And do you guys still have this? Like, did you have to shadow any classes? I was a TA. Yeah. So all of our classes, um, all of our classes have a TA in them. Hopefully every week. Uh, and. Now, as we've grown and as, like, the need for more teachers has happened, um, that has, like, changed a little bit. Like, now you still have to TA before you can teach stuff, but, um, uh, like, now it's interesting. Like, where we are now uh, is, like, you're kind of assigned, like, like, so he's going to teach this four-week intro, and you're going to be a CA for all four weeks now. And so that it's like where I did it, it was like you do a doodle, and who can who can TA which week, which is kind of what we do for the rest of our classes. But if you're uh, like starting to get trained to be a teacher, then you've got to like shut it up. What? How do you think you've changed from the first class you taught until now? 
feel like I've gotten less fluffy, which was important to me. Um, like, uh, I feel like, like I had a student once who, uh, I'd like very good naturedly, but we'd be like, I love classes with Laura because everything is so great. It's super great. And, uh, and which is true. <laughs> and I do like that, but I also was like, some people like a good note. So maybe find something constructive, like besides just teaching a short form game, like give a note to be a better improviser. So I've tried to get more specific without like being too wordy. Like it's important to me that you get to get up and do stuff instead of just listening to me yammer. Um, so, I, but I've tried to like be more direct and more specific in like uh, what I'm telling students and like if I'm taking notes, like um, rather than just like write down lines of dialogue, like write an actual note instead of, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like what am I thinking that made me write it down instead of just writing it down? That's a skill in of itself, though. Uh, because it's a fine line to walk too, right? Because I am, um, you know, we we touched on this right before we hit record of like, um, how constructive and specific do I get with and and reading the room of students, right? So so you know, Sarah's here because she has a fear of being in front of a crowd, and the fact that she got up on stage, yay, right? And then like she's going to get a super great instead of a like pinpointed direct. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think that takes um I think that takes some time and some reps of teaching classes to get to get good at that as well. But do you have like currently do you have a favorite class that you teach? Oh, I've been I would have been hoping this would come up because I was trying to think of an answer and then I did the Laura thing, which is like um I I really love intro. Because A, I don't usually know them, which is always exciting to me. And, like, the, the answers I'm going to give you are, like, almost exclusively opposite of each other. And it's, I love them both. I love intro because you are, you are usually somebody's first go at it. And, like, uh, what an opportunity to help someone like, form an opinion. And so, like, you can either, and good or bad, right? Like, if I can help somebody love this thing that I love so much it is so exciting and if somebody is like hey uh, I'd actually rather do stand-up or you know what I hate comedy then like I'm happy to give them you know that impression too like I'm happy to, to help somebody think for themselves to figure out so I love like the greenness and the earnestness of interest and uh, I'm about to next week start teaching uh, uh, scene with the only that one uh, my second time, and I feel like I've grown as a monarchy player since then, so I'm excited to do it again. Um, and that is like an advanced class, those are uh, exclusively house team members, like people who uh, have like put the work in, and I love that because I feel like I do know those people, and I can dig in and I can get like deeper and more specific. Uh, and there's like um, there's like a respect and relationship there that, um, that you don't have when somebody is brand new and everybody's sort of under like best thing ever. It's not that you're not on your best thing ever, matter, but it's like it's a different work environment. So like that one, like I feel like intro is like I wear my 
her safe school clothes and I comb my hair and then like the amount of sooner they advance classes, I can like roll up my like dirty sleeves and like we all sweat together. <laughs> There's something really cool about like that scene that like light bulb go on people's eyes when they first fall in love with improv and you're like, ah, oh, yes, I'm there with you. Right. Um, there's something really cool about that or, even like there's been a few times when I've been uh, lucky enough to be in somebody's first ever improv scene and you're like, yeah. But then I also go through phases where I'm like, I love all that, but good God, I'd like to give us big, you know, like I, I, I know you're in this level where you're in this level. This is where you are, but God, I'd like to really start working on some nitty gritty stuff. So I, so I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to teach advanced classes. And then other times I just want to teach intro classes. Yeah. And it's, it's so it's so wild to like to see who comes back and I, I remember when you were afraid to talk in front of somebody and now you're like pitching shows and producing your own stuff and uh, uh so that is so gratifying and we're really lucky like we have a lot of teachers and um uh like good friends of mine and it's so great to like see a show or to see someone who's been through everybody's class and like pick out a little bit of each of the teacher's personalities and how they play and like see who's picked up what from who is, uh, is really great. <laughs> when you do develop uh, curriculums or workshops, do you have a certain process or is it pretty, um, I'm finding that a lot of people will go from big picture and then sort of work back. It's, um, I, yeah. I, I try to like take input from the people who are also good at the thing that I'm trying to do. Like, uh, what do you think is important? Like, great. Uh, if you can do a minor scene, you got to get used to being on stage for a long time. Like, you don't have the uh, you don't have an edit of somebody running across the stage to get you off. So, are you cool being out there for like twelve minutes? Or if you are, can you find a graceful way to get out of that scene? Like that sort of thing. Um, so, trying to think about like that sort of thing. So. Um, Picking a location that it's fun to be in if you've got to be out there for 25 minutes. Uh, naming your character. I love naming characters is probably one of my most favorite things. I like to just go just slightly odd, like not completely distractingly bananas, but fun in a way that like that's, that's my special gift of <laughs> doing that theater. Uh, so like small details like that, but like that make it, what, like I try to think, what do I love so much about that form, and how can I share that constructively with other people? In the structured level classes, we'll go back. So, in structured level classes. What is your pass or fail system? Like we're we're trying to figure out like when is it enforceable? Like when do we have enough people that we can like successfully run these rules? Um, so right now, like intro is four weeks and it's not mandatory. Um, and that one is just like each week is dedicated to like a preview of a different class. And we've had to restructure, like, instead of like 101, 201, whatever, now we're starting to use those numbers. But 101, uh, is a combined scene and character class. And those used to each be their own, the scene or the character. But now that's 101. Um, and it lets you get like flush out your crow, um, and teach like basics. So, like, if you don't take intro, you must start at 101. Um, and if you take an intro, whoops, I think I did something. There we go. Um, if you've taken it, it's the next logical step and it's where you have to go anyway. But um, so that's kind of like our basic uh, 
figure out yes and figure out what's going to help you have a creative and interesting scene, like be in the scene that you want to be in, that sort of thing. Next is 201, which is the game. That's where we really try. We are not exclusively game-based, but it weighs heavily into how a lot of us play. So 201 is like figuring out the game. You play beat the game to death all the time. And you're not like jumping into a herald or whatever, but you're starting to understand like time dash versus analogous. You had to come back for a second beat, that sort of thing. Um, And then from there, the 300s, there's a short form uh, path and a long form path. Um, So there's the set list, which is like getting more into short form games, games you've probably seen in the other classes you took, but this time maybe with like, uh, you get to practice hosting them. Um, there's some work on stage presence, that sort of thing. And the other one is the second beat, which gets more into, um, into long, like long for me game focus, Harold, Harold type stuff. Um, and then from there, there's like more advanced level, like there's an Armando or a two prov or whatever. So there's all kinds of other stuff that we've just been like, Hey, this brings me joy. Can I teach this class? And you usually get told yes. Um, so for pass fail right now, it's basically, if it's an eight week class, you can miss two. And if it's a six week, like one, then, so that's kind of what we go by. Um, and, uh, we haven't really, like, I think we're going to have, we're about to be at a point where we can like start being more strict on that. Um, and we try to have people see at least two shows. And before when we didn't have the theater, we had three shows a month. So it was like harder to not impossible, but harder to do that. And now with the theater, we've got six shows a weekend. So I, and, and the, the studios where they take class and the theater where they see shows are a block away from each other. So for me, I'm like really harp on, this is not hard. And if you have a Saturday from four to seven class, guess where you should be after you get out of class. But, um, people have, people have lives. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's interesting. Cause like, so I hear myself saying this all the time. People have lives. Right. And I get, and I think this is important because I, I get frustrated as a teacher, not just not, like, cause you probably get fresh. There's probably two hats. There's many hats that you're also wearing. So I get frustrated from like an artistic piece, but from the teacher piece, this is what frustrates me when people don't watch shows. I assume you are in class because you have an end goal and you've shared it with me. Now, typically if we're beyond level one at this point, you enjoy this enough to keep exploring it. And if you are exploring it, I feel like part of your education is watching improv. And you can learn so much from the really good shows and you can learn so much from the really bad shows. And it makes the conversations in class like it's easier for me as a teacher to break things down when I know that like they were in that show. And I'm like, oh, I know what you're talking about. This happened and this happened. Um, it, It does. It frustrates me to no end that people and I again, I get it. Like you said, you have lies, but. Out of eight weeks, you couldn't find time to see one show. Right, right, right. I, uh, yeah, I love it. And I, like, I get on weird, uh, not, they're not weird. They make sense. But, like, I get on tangents with them. And I have probably, like, three tangents. And one of them is, like, if you don't believe what you're doing, your audience doesn't believe what you're doing. And that's, like, that I probably yell at them the most. But, like, as far as seeing shows, it's, like, 
when you're in class, I expect that you're thinking really hard. And like, like I think when, every time I took a class at UCB, I always felt like the worst improviser in the room because I felt like I had to prove that I was good at improv. And I was like, so in my head that it makes you not agree. <laughs> you know, you're not doing your best if you're like, don't screw up. Don't, don't do the thing wrong. Um, so for me, I think it's so important. Like if you're in your head for three hours a week in my class, like go be out of it and go watch someone do the thing where the pressure is off you and it lets your brain see and understand the things that you're working on in class. So uh, if we're working on game and you're struggling with finding an unusual thing or being clear about whatever, you know, whatever it is that, that's, that you're trying hard to do in class, like go see somebody do it. And like you said, like if it goes well, holy crap, look how easy they made that seem and look at the trust there that they can just do this thing. And if it didn't go well, think critically about why it didn't go well. Does it relate to something that we've done? Whatever. Like there's, it's such a good learning opportunity that the pressure's off. All you have to do is watch. And then when class starts with what shows did you see and what did you think? Like a, you can contribute, which is great. And B the thing that like makes me bonkers is like, it was really funny when they climbed on those chairs. Well, of course, it's supposed to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. Uh, but like, why, why are you laughing? What's the thing that's making you laugh? Is it the commitment to the choices that they made? Is it like whatever it's assumed it's going to be funny. It's why we do the thing. But if we can get a little deeper and talk about why and what you got from it and how you can or can't apply it, like, Oh, now we get to get up and there's like a meaning towards what we're doing today. Besides it's written on the lesson plan. I sometimes very feel very much like get off my lawn kind of thing. Cause I'm like, go see shows. Even if it's not with us, go see some shows, you know, uh, ask the questions. It's what we're here for. Um, so have, cause you, because you guys are not, because you haven't been like super strict about the pass or fail. Have you yourself though said, you know what? I don't think this person's ready to go forward yet. Yeah. And, um, we've gotten some interesting things like, um, Hey, I took, uh, I took this class at this theater. Can I jump in? Can I skip whatever? And that's, that's, can be a hard question, especially if you don't know the person to like, make the judgment call. And what we find and what I really love is a lot of our students go through the levels together so that they're like practice groups form naturally. They gain the camaraderie and rapport that is super important to, to being comfortable and playing. Um, so it's hard to be like, yeah, go skip ahead of somebody. Um, or like sometimes it's easy and they're like, can I take this advanced class? And it's like, you haven't taken the prereqs yet. So I can't let you in. Um, so we have had to say no, but I don't, but it's not in a way of like, no, it's in a way of like, learn our language so that like, you can be the best player in this community that you can be be so that like, if everybody feels comfortable because everybody's gone through the same stuff. Every theater has its own language and philosophy. So, I mean, I also get like, people are like, I just threw $3,000 into this one school. Now you want me to give you money at this school and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a balance. Um, what, um, what about teacher evaluations? Do you guys ask the students to evaluate the teachers at the end of the class? We should. I know that there's been like, uh, 
like surveys and stuff before, but I don't think we've ever been as consistent about it as I think it, it, we need to be. Uh, and I think that like, that's another thing as we realize that like the school is growing and it's really excellent and exciting, but a big part of that is the teachers have to grow too. Um, so I think we'll be seeing more of that than, uh, uh, now that like we're having more classes than ever, more people are getting trained up to teach and, and that sort of thing. And as the scene grows, which is what we ideally hope is happening, like it's, you don't realize that you don't know everybody anymore or that, you know, if you know them from like a, hi, how are you? As you're like walking out of the theater. Uh, but then I'm like, oh, that's right. I don't really like know who you've had, what you've like done, how you feel, that sort of thing. And I, it's like super important, especially from the running, the you know, being a teacher and being on the artistic team side of things. So like keep, keep an ear out for what, what people are thinking and feeling, what they want. Like we started adding more sketch and trying to get people tra- trained up as sketch teachers because people want sketch. And, uh, and if we're going to, like, we've been really um, steadfast that if we want to give that to them, but we don't want to be shoddy about it. Like we want to give you as good a quality sketch program as we know we can do improv. So we've got to get people ready for it. And we have, like, we've got, um, uh, we've got a woman on our team who's been teaching the sketch program. Um, and she's great. She's a, a college professor. So like her brain is just right on for the role. And, um, we've got a couple guys in the community who've kind of taken on leading like a bi-monthly sketch show and they're like trusted to put on good stuff and they always do. And they're leaders in the community in their own right. So it's really nice to see that program grow in a way that doesn't make me feel totally stressed out because I don't have to, it's so great to see that somebody else can like take work and make a beautiful productive thing out of it. Um, it's nice to be able to let people help and contribute and trust that it'll, it'll be great. Do you guys require your teachers to do anything continuing education wise? Um, I kind of hope there's, there's no real requirement on it yet, but again, I think as the pool of teachers grows and, um, we have to kind of do some kind of quality control there. I think, I think it's really important. I like tell all my classes when I'm taking classes at other places or even within our own teachers, like, um, the managing director is one of my good friends and she teaches a two prop class. That's just wildly successful every time she runs it. And I, I, taken it I'd love to take her classes I've taken two prov I've taken her Armando class like it's just super fun and we have a, a guy who um he teaches an improvised Tennessee Williams class and I've been dying to get into it and I just like schedule wise hasn't worked out but um I think it's so important you can't expect your teachers to continue to grow and get better as teachers and as improvisers if they're not also engaged besides their like weekly show or whatever uh so so I think and luckily like most of our folks I think agree with that too so people are always taking on other things or finding classes or pitching stuff to to like stay active and engaged which is great and you guys aren't that far also from New York City right so no we are close to both improv uh, uh to excuse me to Boston and to New York so We've got people, yeah, Boston is a closer drive. Um, New York 
is, you know, there's a few more schools and stuff, but you find people who are um, like really just taking tours of schools, uh, which is so great. Uh, So they'll take improv at one place, sketch somewhere else. um, And it's been really a good way for our, um, for our people to like, find classes that aren't ours, which is also cool because now we have teachers who have met the education criteria of going through our school and through other people's, um, which is cool. It is cool. It's, you just get better, more well, well, bleh, better, more well-rounded. Um, so this is sometimes a, uh, I don't know if a hot button idea, but it depends on people. It gets very semantic-y with some people, but do you define a difficult student? Or because like some people will be like, there's no such thing as a difficult student. It's the teacher's, you know, approach to that. And then some people are like, look, I've had difficult students. This is why. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, I think if a teacher says they've never had a difficult student, that's probably a lie. Um, but I think there's not like one classic definition for it. Like people like. People have presented challenges for different reasons. And then it's then I think it's on the teacher to figure out what's the best way to deal with it instead of just being like, well, this person's wrong. Well, like if you don't do anything about it either, you, you can't correct behavior. You can't modify your own style to make it work. But yeah, there's there's all kinds of, of fun challenges, <laughs> we'll call them, uh, it, that you can't, can't begin to expect. Um, Hopefully, like most of them are just like about the class and not like about the person, I guess. Some, sometimes it is, I guess, like, but, uh, but I haven't had anything that's been like, never again with this one, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is the idea, I guess. What, what is your approach when the things on stage come up uh, when people are going through the exercises that ultimately they're eventually going to hit some sort of thing that's considered racist or misogynistic. Yeah. I try to like at the beginning of every class or whether I know them or not, I try to like lay down my guidelines uh, and it's not, we're not going to make fun of like the funny thing is never going to be race. It's never going to be the weird sex thing. Like, don't touch each other. Uh, like I try to just like let my expectations go. Um, like let them be known from the start. And, and then I like, I do internally wrestle with like, am I going to side coach and stop it? Or am I going to let them feel how weird it feels and talk about it afterwards, which is kind of, I mean, if I've never had anything like so truly awful, I've had to like stop it, which I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for, but we've had, like, I've been able to have interesting conversations. And like, for me, I always try to stress the ownership in your seat and no one else gets to make the decisions of what you do in that scene besides you. So how do you want to do that? And if you're going to make a choice that's making someone uncomfortable, why? Let's think like, what are your, what is the motivation there? And if you're the other person that the thing is happening to, um, like always feel that you have ownership to guide that scene to how you want it. Um, and I, one of the things I do 
is host a, a monthly like jam mixer type thing. And that's always like average is about like 30, 35 ish people, I would say. And it's a mix of like people I know really well. There's always a couple people who've never done it or I don't know them, that sort of thing. And they just get paired up and they do scenes. And I try, like, I've like crafted my speech of like, don't touch anybody. Don't do anything weird. Like, um, and I, I, we had one once where it got like, it was just creepy. Like, um, there was like sort of sexual, like, lines being thrown at a newer person in the community. And afterwards they came up to me and were like, Hey, was my scene weird? (laughs) And and like, I felt awful because they were just trying to do the thing. And they were like, I don't know if this is what this is supposed to be like. And I had to be like, Nope, your scene got weird. And it wasn't your fault, but she like, really, the person really played to the top of their intelligence and just like did everything they could to, straight man and like not call attention to like, you're weird, but just like make it have a scene. I get so uh, long winded and trailed off here. Edit as you need to. No, this is fine. It's good. But um, yeah, I I guess I I just try to be as upfront as I can. Like the last, the last month's mixer, I did it as a call and response. And it was like, honestly, super effective to be like, when I say, if you were thinking about doing a scene that was racially, sexually, or otherwise offensive, you say don't. And then I would just say the whole thing and make them yell don't at me. And they're like, that was fun. And no one did a gross scene. So I was like, if this is what it takes, (laughs) this is what we're going to do every month so that you know. And most people do. And the cool thing is now, like, uh, if something does happen, you can see it on the faces of the people who've been around. Like they're just instinctively protective of their people and the theater as their home. Like everyone takes such pride and ownership of the theater, um, this place where they get to make their art that they're instinctively protective over the people in it and the thing, um, which is really the best thing that we could ask for. So when something weird does happen, there have been like constructive conversations about it. Like everyone checks in to make sure everyone's okay, that sort of thing, which is really, it makes me feel like we have the right people doing the right thing here. Do you guys have it set up also that, um, if someone does feel like they're getting, you know, harassed or they're not, or something's happening in class, there's like a hierarchy of how they can handle that? Um, I, I think it's something we can always be better at. And, um, right now it's kind of like, here's like my email and if you need it, my phone number. And like, if I, if it happens in my class, I want to be the one who knows that it's happening. Like I want to, I feel a sense of ownership that it's my job to make it an environment that people want to spend their time in. Um, and I'm really excited. We, uh, in the coming weekends, we have, um, we have a, a woman in our community who runs, uh, she works for like a, like a sexual assault crisis line basically. And she's going to have her staff come in and lead like a series of like training, uh, of what to do in sticky situations for our theater staff and our teachers and that sort of thing. Cause I feel like it's really, um, we need to feel empowered to protect people and it gets so uh, tricky sometimes of like not wanting to hurt people's feelings or not wanting to like lay down the hammer, but also like we have to be protecting the good. So, uh, I'm really excited and hope, I I, mean, I think that that is going to be really helpful. And I'm excited for our people to feel like 
they are going to be equipped with answers to navigate uncomfortable situations. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's awesome uh, and amazing because I think that's what a lot of um, teachers struggle with is like they've seen something in a scene and they know that the conversation has to be had, but it's a hard conversation to have. And, you know, like nine out of 10 times, the people aren't being malicious either. It's we're learning not to filter and and we're learning this art form and there's no script with it. And we're reacting under moments and things happen. And so it's, but it's can be a very difficult conversations to have. Nonetheless, the classroom is the safe space where like you're going to, make that mistake with hopefully no repercussion, but it has to be a mistake. You know, if you're coming in to purposely be malicious, that's Mm -hmm. a different issue. But if you say something dumb because you don't know how to not do it, then you're right. You have to, then it's like, I don't want to tell you you're wrong, but I want you to know a better way to handle it. I don't want to single you out in the class in front of 15 other people and make you feel bad. But if I pull you aside afterwards, I don't want you to think like I'm terrible. I'm the worst or whatever. Like it's just finding, finding a way to have a constructive conversation. Right. And, and sometimes just, uh, I mean, I'm in the South, so, uh, people's lens of what is funny and what is a appropriate and and so sometimes things will come up and you'll even have that conversation and they just don't get why people are offended they just don't get it and it's like it's free speech it's like yeah it is free speech but also like humans be a good human above all else right right uh and and also what was deemed access acceptable and funny 15 years ago isn't necessarily, and then people start being like, well, that's your lens on humor. Okay. Well, that might be the case, but also stop. (laughs) Eventually it's like, okay. And, and that's really interesting that you say that because like, I, I find there's like, uh, there's always a moment where you have to be like, take it offline. Like I don't want to spend other people's three hours fighting with you about why you shouldn't say an offensive thing, right? Like, and even if it's not, even if it's like, here's my note, like, without having to be like, here's the note. Now your job is to take it. Like, I'll I'll have that conversation with you. I'm happy to go through it, but not at the expense of other people's time. Um, So managing that or like before like one person's note becomes a classroom conversation is like also inappropriate, you know? Yeah. And there are times, I mean, for me, there's been times when like one person's note has to become the classroom conversation because we just, we have to address this. Uh, There's one black person in the room. You need to stop making everything about the color of that person's skin. Right. Right. So let's have that conversation. Fine. Uh, But yeah, I, a lot of times also it's like, Hey, let's just, you know, we'll talk about this after class. Do you get, um, do you do you allow uh, some people will structure it so that the students can debrief enough that they won't get pushbacks on notes? Um, how do you how do you handle the with the note giving um, and the and if you are getting pushback on the feedback you're giving? Uh, eventually, I feel like you have to take control and be like, okay, we're moving on. Like, um, 
and not in a way to be rude or dismissive, but we have, we have three hours. And if there's 15 or 16 of us in the class, I have an agenda of things I'm trying to get through and I don't want everything to be sidetracked because you can look around and see faces. If everybody's engaged in it and it's like, we're, we're still learning via this. Great. But if people are like taking out their phones or like completely disengaged, uh, I don't want to derail class to a point that, that people don't want to be there or it feels like we're wasting their time, my time, our time. Um, so eventually I feel like if it's truly not going anywhere, if it's not becoming productive, um, or even, I guess if it is like to an extent, you know, eventually it has to be like tabled for now, we've got to move on to the next thing. And then you have everybody like jump up and shake it out, like move around to a different place. And then, which I, I truly believe helps, um, kind of regain focus. And then you move on from there, I think. I actually really like that, uh, that whole like, okay, this has been hard. Let's shake it out. Let's do that. That's great. I think that's really helpful. Um, that's one of the things I love about, that's why I love about this podcast is people like getting those little clips of like, Ooh, that's a great idea. I love that. (laughs) Um, so do you, um, what kind of like, is your classroom for yourself? I call it like the improv class. We come in, we debrief a little bit. We do warm ups. We've got exercises. We work on scene work. We close up. Is that kind of how you're also... I I try to, yeah. So I try on day one to express that if the class starts at four o'clock, the class is starting at four o'clock. And if you're 15 minutes late, cool, but you're jumping in in the middle of a warm up because we're going to be going by then. Um, And I try to stick as closely to that as possible. Like I had a class, I had a very small class once that was five people and um, like on average, class would start like 20 to 25 minutes late every day. Because if you don't have three people, there's nothing to do. Uh, and it's so, it's so hard, but so gratefully I've had more people in my classes lately so that people are there by the time. And like Hartford, Hartford parking is notoriously awful. Um, and it's like a city that everybody wants so badly to do well. I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people want it to fail that's a different discussion. Um, but so like, I get so excited when there's things making the city thrive, but at the same time, then I don't have a place to park and I'm a mad woman. So, uh, uh, it's like, exactly. Go to your suburbs. Uh, but you know, you get like, I try to like give my heads up if there's going to be like a comic con or something, then like, Hey, please give yourself 20 more minutes to park. And so we can start class. Um, um, uh, I don't remember what the initial question was. Yeah. And then you do usually just go into like your warm ups to your exercise. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's like, what have you seen? What's on your mind from last time, which I'm hoping so hard that one day someone will have an answer of what's on their mind from last time instead of just like blank stares. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then it's like warm ups, shake it off. Here's what we're going to do. Here's like, we're all recap last week if they don't want to. Um, and then like jump in, we do a break about halfway through. And then at that point I'll like go over what's coming up that weekend because usually the end of class is like, we're running over and people are trying to get out of there. Um, finish up class, do a closer, thank everyone for their time and, and peace out of there. I get really heady when like I'm the one recapping. I'm like, okay, I'll recap. And then I'm like, oh, I'm talking too long. Oh, I'm- <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> like, no one cares about analogous beats as much as I do. What do you, what do you mean? Uh, right. Come on, guys. Let's yeah. expand the world even more. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll just, like, yell out crow and make them repeat what it means to me. That's another one of my faves. Uh, do you have a favorite exercise? Mm, I really love, oh, okay. So for like, uh, I have, I have a couple. So, um, if I'm trying to get like basic scene work stuff out, like we've done uh, three line scenes are, are necessary and, uh, you have to, and we were trying to find, uh, we learned a, about it. Um, uh, I know, uh, from, uh, um, we got it from a workshop in Baltimore, but it likely originated with Craig or somewhere around there. But, um, but I've, I really love it as a way to still get your yes handing out, but also keep it positive. Um, especially with like new nervous folks, uh, just your, your panic reaction is if I'm a jerk, people will laugh. And I just try to keep things positive as much as I can while we're figuring it out. So, uh, I know just lends itself to like big, happy eyes and, uh, people being excited to being in their scene. And it feels better than like, this is a cake. Yes, this is a cake and it is made of chocolate, right? So if you can speak in a way that sounds like how you would really speak, this is a cake. I know. And it's made of chocolate. Like if everything just becomes the most exciting thing, it feels better than the sad note of like, um, excuse me, you said, but so let's try that again, but without, but, uh, and to try to like teach a grown up how to speak. They're like, who's this person? Uh, so <laughs> yes. And, uh, 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 I know lends itself to like a better time with three line scenes. And then when I'm doing character stuff, I really love uh, making them face the back of the room and like wiggle around and change their body shape until we yell freeze. And then having to like figure out, like I'll have like five up at a time. Uh, and then they have to turn around and tell me who they are. they like their philosophy. I love history, philosophy, metaphor. Also, that's one of my most faves. Um, and like, what their deal is and like, give me a little bit of their backstory. That's super fun. And then make them, um, interact with each other is great. And then, um, I like a guided badata of like, you know, badata, right? It's like do to do. Yeah. Um, so for that one, especially if I'm going to be teaching character or scene stuff, I'll, um, give them a category for it, which I, I learned in one of my UCBs, it might've been my 401, um, that would be like, okay, um, uh, small town politicians. So instead of building a compound word, it's like Tanner McGillicuddy. And then, uh, I'll keep track of all that stuff. So I'll do like, uh, people. I love to do like small town names, um, and like mystical stuff, like wizards and aliens and stuff. Uh, and then I keep track of those while they're doing it. And then I'll use those to inspire their warm up scenes. That's awesome. That's so fun. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is super fun. I've never done it that way. That's so cool. Yay. (laughs) I'm stealing that. Take it. Cause Uh, then what you don't have is like hat. Man, hat man, badada for like seven rounds of hat man, badada, uh, which has its time and place. But uh, where can um, people find you? Oh, golly. Uh, on the Twitter, I'm at 
at Sassy Ms. MZ Manassi, M-A-N-A-S-S-Y. Um, and then Instagram is just Sassy Manassi. There's no Ms. That's not good for branding. And then Facebook is just Laura Manassowich. 